Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Pellin, along with Juan Montalvo, John Marchant. Guys, another thriller, I guess if you want to call it that. Uh, Florida State without Jordan Travis with sickness, flu, I guess what we're calling it, the flu, 28-14. NC State rattles off a touchdown in each quarter to pretty thoroughly handle Florida State in this one. I don't think anything – I don't want to really take much away from this one. I think it kind of went – the way you'd expect if I told you Jordan Travis wasn't going to play. Um, you know, you saw Leary play like we kind of said last week, you can look for 21 for 32, 314, four touchdowns. It just never really felt like Florida State had a real chance to win this one. Um, did anything really stand out to you guys from, from what we saw Saturday? No, not, not really. I, I can't blame you. I Yeah, well, I mean, the, the thing for me, I guess, with the NC State game is, I'd, and I said this kind of in, in my offensive analysis piece. I thought that – I'm actually really interested to hear Juan's thoughts about this too and yours, but I, I thought that FSU just doesn't have the talent that they need to have to effectively run the offense that you would have to run with Milton. Um, we talked about it all the way back after the Notre Dame game. You know, these two guys have very different skill sets, um, but the skills, the rest of the skill set and the talent on offense fits Travis, not Milton. And Milton's obviously not – the player that he was before his injury. Uh, this is not new information or new territory that we're talking about here, but um, so it's kind of disappointing. I, I mean, Florida state, I think it was still the late third or fourth quarter. They still had the ball down one touchdown with a chance to tie the game. So, and NC state's a good ranked opponent, um, but you're right. It just never really felt like they really had a chance or could really threaten them. Uh, so, I mean, it's pretty frustrating. Uh, you know, you lose your best player, you know, I would, I, I mean, I have my own thoughts about the, the coaching um, and the offensive defense coordinators. I, I don't think they're bad by any means. Um, I, I don't think they're obviously, you know, at the top of their profession and that's not a, a slight to them, but um, I mean, when you don't have the talent and you lose your best player, there's not a whole lot that you can really do. Um, I thought some of Norvell's calls were great. Uh, the, the onside kick. Uh, just to open the second half was was pretty great. Um, it really changed momentum in their favor. Uh, but then there's other things to criticize as well. Uh, so, Juan, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 I'd, I'd say I'm largely in agreement with what you're saying. I mean, we talked about it. This team doesn't have very good receivers. Um, this team is not a good traditional pass-blocking team if we're just sticking on the offensive side of the ball to start. And – you know, they don't have good pass catchers. They don't block well in the pass game. And they have a quarterback who, when Travis is out, when you go to Milton, who is immobile. I mean, you could see it whenever they tried to run the ball. Um, there were several 
I mean, I mean, probably close to the better part, better part of a dozen instances where they didn't respect the backside keep at all. I mean, it was, it was like Milton wasn't even there. So, I mean, you go from having the man advantage, it's, it's a net minus two for Florida state to lose uh, Jordan Travis in the run game, because in addition to getting or you know, to, to, to getting the extra runner, you're also, you know, basically getting an extra blocker just by, by, by reading a, a player. So, I mean, you know, that, that may, may not sound intuitive at first, but think about it this way. If you're running a, a zone run to the right, the, your, the offensive left side, uh, the defensive end on the back side, he is going to typically, when Jordan Travis is in the game, he's going to look and see, okay, is that ball going to be handed off to the running back or is Jordan Travis going to keep it? And he's going to sit there and, you know, try to read that. And so Jordan Travis will read that and say, okay, he's crashing down on the running back. I can keep it and go outside. So basically not only do you have one more player because you're the guy handing the ball off can actually run it, but you're effectively getting an extra blocker because you're reading another person out of the play. So that's a plus two for Florida State when he's in the game. And you don't have that with Milton. I mean, you saw the, the those ends crashed pretty much all day until – you know, he, he half hobble jogged into a, into a first down or two. Um, and that, that actually did help them get, you know, get a little bit more movement. I think they probably had to show him at halftime. Look, if you don't keep it, you're not going to be able to run the ball and you're not going to be able to throw behind it. So it's just a bad mis- mismatch this year. The personnel that, that, that Florida state has to, to run an offense that, you know, doesn't have a running quarterback. And that isn't even necessarily because the offensive line isn't good or anything like that. It's just these guys don't catch the ball very well. The receivers, uh, they're moderately competent blockers. I mean, they're not elite by any means, but they're, you know, solid. Um, It's just this team is getting to the point of who, you know, the, the, the old Dennis Green, they are who we thought they were. Um, You know, they're, they're a good running offense but they need the running quarterback and obviously, you know, one of the better running quarterbacks in, I would say the conference um, to, to be able to generate a lot of explosive plays or even, even just drives. <laughs> I mean, you've seen what we've seen what happens on multiple occasions when Travis goes out of games, it's just, it's not pretty. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the other side of the ball, it really didn't, uh, it, it's another, Again, Dennis Green, they are who we thought they were. They're, they're just – they're not ready to compete with a strong program. I mean, Doran's in year seven. Um, Norvell is in year two. And really, you know, we talked about yeah. last year being a negative one. This year could be your year zero. So, they're just – you know, I mean, there's a long way to go. It's that simple. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, you, obviously if I tell you at Florida State only is going to rush for 38 yards, you're going to tell me right then and there they don't have a chance to win a game. It's just not their recipe, 44 pass attempts for Milton. Um, well, one thing I did think uh, watching it was it made me think over the last few weeks of watching Travis and then seeing this offense try to get going with Milton was, was and I don't even want to really call it an overreaction, but the, the decision after week one to go to more Milton – as your quarterback to try and get you more passes. I, I don't know. It, it just made me think back to the beginning of the year where I was kind of like, I, I feel like you, you got to see what that would look like. And it, I just didn't, it's, it kind of still hurt me weeks later. I mean, uh, uh, as someone who's in the stands for the Notre Dame game, 
the excitement when Milton came into the game, just from the anticipation sure. in the preseason and the offseason of, okay, he's Mackenzie Milton. You know, we've joked around the championship pedigree or whatever, but he obviously is a very well-known quarterback to fans in the state of Florida to throughout the Southeast, throughout college football. Yeah. Uh, he's got a great story. I mean, he has insane production numbers from the past. And so he came in and that one drive did quite well. He looked like he was ready to play. And, um, you know, the, the, the rest of the guys around him held up to the task against a pretty solid, you know, not exceptional, obviously now that we have the benefit of hindsight, Notre Dame team. Um, and I think there would have been, you know, mild to medium riots had uh, he not started against Jacksonville state. It's easy to go and look back now, especially after a game like this, and and say that you know that that um, that what's his face um, that that Milton should probably have not played against Jacksonville State, or that Travis should have played earlier, both of which I don't think are bad bad thoughts. Just I think that the circumstance of that time dictated that at the very least you really needed to start Milton. Now should they have gone away from him much earlier in that game and not? wrote it till the end yes yeah that's the coaching decision that i think you can say that was bad because it was i mean you know we we talked about that a little bit in the slack chat today that um you know we're we'll, we'll get into dan mullen as a clown volume two later on today but uh with their loss to south carolina you know as a double digit favorite that is a really bad loss for them as a program in year five when dan mullen and that that group was expected to take the next step and compete and you could almost argue that it was given where the programs are in their, I guess, the, 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 the trajectory they're supposed to be on to be, be championship level, that Mullins team, you know, it was almost a worse loss in that sense. In that narrow band context, yeah, it might be, but you're never going to wash the stink of the Jacksonville State game off of Mike Norvell's record, even if he wins a national title. I mean, you know, there's going to be, there's always going to be, you know, that sort of thing referenced years later and deservedly so. I mean, it's one of the worst losses in Florida State program history, probably the worst. Yeah. I mean, you could just as an example from my end, I mean, for LSU and at Ogeron, I mean, he wins a national title, but you'll still hear the loss to Troy brought up every single time someone wants to me say he's terrible. Now, you know, you take a home loss to Troy, you take a home loss to Jacksonville State. It's just something even after winning a title is going to just stain your resume. It's just what it is. Um, I do want to. Alabama it, still gets crap about the uh, the, the Louisiana row loss in, yeah. in 2007. And he's won six titles since then. I mean, just, I just think, a couple uh, of titles. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, that's one of those things that no matter what you do, there's certain games you're never going to escape as a coach. And, you know, you, you'll probably never, never stop losing sleep over at the end of the day. But yeah, that was not, not a good one on Mikey. Yeah. And, and it's one that, you know, you can't, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to harp too much on it. Obviously it was weeks ago, but I just had the thought of like, I wish obviously on the hindsight, we could have seen more Travis in that game and more throughout just to see how it went. Um, any other final thoughts before we jump off this game? I do want to shout out uh, Kier Thomas at a second, um, consecutive ACC defensive defensive lineman of the week. So obviously another great game from him. John, you got anything? Uh, yeah, I remember uh, it was during the game. We were in the Slack group. Uh, we're all watching it together. It's either Juan or Adam. It said something about, you know, if if this is what this game's going to be, either you know maybe you play Corbin in the Wildcat, or maybe you go just five wide. 
uh, with Milton and try to spread them out, kind of lean into uh, the talent issues or whatever. And, and that's actually what they ended up doing. Uh, this coaching staff, they ended up doing a lot more uh, four wide. They had that, that uh, trips to the field and then the, the single receiver, it was either uh, McLean or, or parchment out to the boundary. And they ran that over and over and over, just the same handful of plays out of that formation. And NC state really couldn't adjust. Um, and then at the end of the game, when they're, you know, down a couple touchdowns, they're trying to force something. They went five wide. That was, I thought the best uh, that they looked with Milton, right? Like they maximized, which is weird considering Florida state's receiver talent so poor, um, but they really maximized that that thing. I think we got to see as good as it's going to get, and it obviously wasn't wasn't good enough. Um, I mean, one of the reasons why they even scored one of those two touchdowns was because of the the onside kick put them in great field position. Yeah. So, you know, um, like what Juan said, you know, they are what we thought they were. It's it's uh, obviously not as good as with Travis on the field. So there's three games left. Uh, you know, Travis has had an issue staying healthy every year he's played, uh, but he's obviously your your number one your number one guy. So hopefully he can stay healthy. Um, we'll see if they can pick up any more wins. Yeah, and, and I understand this one is is slightly different than than previous injuries. It's you know the flu that kind of held him out, and I think Mike Norvell said we're recording this Monday. He said earlier that you know it still seems to be lingering. So we'll see how he's feeling towards the end of this week on where he has, where he's at on playing. Yeah. And one thing to mention on that, the flu this year in Tallahassee is bad. Um, you know, I live in Tallahassee and I just got my flu shot today. Just, I, 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 the only time in my life I've ever got the flu shot was the year my, my son was born. They want they, you know, the doctors told me to get it. I said, okay, I'll go get it. And for whatever reason this year, um, be it all the Gators coming into town for Halloween or what, but you know, the, for whatever reason, the, uh, the, the flu was just, you know, pretty nasty and going around town and sniping people left and right um, on the football team and the baseball team. Uh, we heard, we heard reports of, of, of uh, a couple of prominent defensive linemen. I don't think we could, we can really say their names not practicing um, as well, uh, you know, as late as Wednesday last week, as well as Travis, you know, we didn't really know that Travis was going to be out for the game until game day, which, yeah, you know, that's pretty, pretty, pretty bad. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. And it, it sounded like it was going to be considerably worse. The baseball team basically didn't hold a couple practices because of it. I mean, it's, it was legitimately going around and it probably affected their preparation. Um, you know, they probably weren't able to get a lot of those looks that they wanted for, you know, practicing with Milton. So they probably like, they've had to do, do a lot this year because of personnel they've adjusted on the fly just to try to, make things work. Um, you know, unfortunately when you have weird mismatches in, in your, your, your talent, you know, groups, you, you, you're always going to have trouble, you know, being able to get a cohesive unit on the field. That's going to look like the, the, the unit you want it to be. Um, you know, obviously with, with Travis on the field, you're going to see typically three receivers, a tight end a running back. Uh, with Milton on the field, like John was talking about, they decided, all right, let's, let's dump it out and go to these, these trips uh, and do some overload sets and, and, you know, basically throw them off. And they did it. And they, that's one thing that's really encouraging. I think about Mike Norvell and, and his offensive staff, including Kenny Dillingham, you know, obviously Kenny's the offense coordinator, but you know, Mike Norvell has been the offensive mind at their Memphis, et cetera, for years. 
and Norvell has always done a very good job of adapting to personnel and the job they've done in terms of adapting to the guys they had on the fly during games is pretty exceptional. Um, mm-hmm. So if there's one positive thing to take away from this weekend, because realistically it just showed, okay, there's personnel deficiencies. We knew what they were. They're continuing to show up and that's not going to get fixed except for recruiting. That, that it is what it is on the, on those sort of things. But you have the positive of Mike Corbell and his staff were able to get more out of a seemingly hodgepodge group of players because you always want to have a somewhat like for like backup quarterback. You don't have a running quarterback, especially now that Chubba Purdy's off the roster, which is probably right where I was about to go with him leaving. Yeah. I mean, that's right where I was about to go. I mean, that was the news that came out last week. That was um, surprising to say the least. Obviously Mike Norvell saying today, Monday that, um, he called it a shock around the program. Uh, he said Chuba came in on Tuesday saying, you know, he had to go. It said it was a him and a family decision. But this is a situation where, uh, and I, and I want to ask you guys, obviously being around and, and through his recruitment and on, but how does, does his transfer impact? Obviously the timing is strange here, but impact this season and maybe the program going forward. John, do you think this really changes where we're at with, with, what the future of the quarterback position or, or where things are headed? Um, actually, not really. I, I mean, we're, I'm also assuming here that they keep AJ Duffy, the recruiting class, but really someone was going to leave um, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, if Tate Rodemaker, but. Well, well, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> you know, they like what one said. I mean, I think Purdy was the number three quarterback on the depth chart um behind Milton so the previous game you know they talked about uh against against UMass they talked about putting Milton in he's like no no go ahead and put Chuba in uh instead of me get let him get the reps and things like that so um I mean it's pretty clear where Purdy was on the depth chart I wish he was a little bit you know maybe second he'd earned that by now but he clearly hadn't I don't think it's a huge loss I am bummed though you always you know wish you'd have him develop that kind of guy see what they turn out to be. Uh, but I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a killer. Um, and I, actually, I really like Juan's point that he just made about, you don't have a really a running quarterback in the mold of, of Travis on the roster. So if it opens up a spot, maybe you can find someone like that. I, I do think Norvell's going to have to do a lot of work on the portal again. Um, I, I mean, I know they got a lot of starters and contributors from the portal. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, I guess looking back at some of the, the hit rate, it's not quite as good as I thought it was. Um, but again, I, I don't think Chuba, even though it's disappointing, I don't think it, I don't think it really hurts you. Yeah. I think you're, you're, you're largely correct on that. I mean, I think he's a guy you, you know, you wanted to have and wanted to see develop, but at the same time, you're not talking about a finished product here. That's going to be, you know, a, a a 12 game starter for you next year uh, and beat out, beat out Jordan Travis. Uh, realistically. I mean, he, he's been plagued by injuries. He had that collarbone and then he had that infection and he really, you know, he, he was a fall enrollee. I mean, he really has probably had shoot. He enrolled in fall 2020. So he had fall 2020, spring 2021 fall camp and, you know, two months of the season, two full months of the season before he decided to transfer. So, I mean, he, if, personally i mean i think it's thrown in the towel a bit too early on his end of it but we don't know what the factors are if, if there's you know if he just wants to be closer to home if there's reasons for doing so etc 
but yeah, I mean, getting back to your point about the portal, yeah, the hit rate on it is probably a lot lower than I think people originally thought. I mean, some of those early Kyler Murray type transfers, Jalen Hurt type transfers, basically the, the marquee ones at like Oklahoma and places like that seem to have worked out fairly well, but you're not going to get, if you're doing seven, eight transfers a class, you're not going to get seven, eight contributors. You really want to pare that number down to four, five, six, and really fill holes where you need to. And I think a great spot for that would be a run first quarterback. Um, someone who can be a like for like replacement in ways that are not going to scare off someone like an AJ Duffy or, or any of the 2023 guys that they've got lined up and they're looking at. So, I mean, you really want to have, you want to have four quarterbacks on your roster at all times. Cause when someone transfers, you're going to have three, which is the situation they're in right now. And Milton obviously is graduating. So you're going to be down to two. You've got AJ Duffy coming in. That's three. You need to get a fourth. So, and that's going to realistically be through the portal. Uh, unless you just pick up a kid who's, you know, a talented, you know, dual threat type kid or something like that, who is going to go to a, I would normally say Wake Forest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a little bit changed in today's atmosphere. But I think it, it gives you the opportunity to fill holes um, where you may not be able to get that sort of experience in, in just regular, regular uh, recruiting, especially at, at the offensive and defensive line positions, just because those are going to be more physically developed in the transfer portal than they are in high school. So, you know, with, with Chuba, you wish he would have stayed, but it's not the end of the world that he left. Uh, you really got to take advantage of the transfer portal to replace him and sort of help fix, fix that hole of that mix matched running offense with, without running quarterbacks. And, and I'm seeing this on, you know, and, and uh, I saw this on Twitter earlier and I, and I know, I, I assume it's Barry from the Tomahawk nation account to kind of rebuffed it, but someone said, you know, the transfer portal is the worst thing to happen to college football aside from the targeting rule and uh, the Tomahawk nation account, which I, again, assume is a Perry. Uh, responded, you know, Mike Norvell and company would beg to differ. If you just look at the team this year, you're looking at Jordan Travis and Jay Sean Corbin. Take it however you feel about Parchment, but Dylan Gibbons and, you know, Jermaine Johnson, Keir Thomas, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, it's just, it's the nature of college football at this point. It's just the portal opens and, and, and guys just go. I mean, um, you know, the, for the quarterback position itself in the portal, I feel like there are guys all over the country who are starting who came through the transfer portal. Um, you know, I feel like every weekend, every every game I'm watching, the guy who steps in, it's, oh, this is a Penn State transfer quarterback or Arizona transfer. Everyone, it's just when you're seeing this coach turnover so much all over the country, I feel like we're seeing more and more of it. So I think the big key is, like you said, get the fourth guy in and just keep rolling with what you have. I mean, it's just the new, kind of the nature of where it is. It's the new reality of college football. Kenny Dilling is sure. today. Um you know, that, that he, he supports the transfer portal. And, you know, while sometimes it's not always on your side, like you said, and, and like, uh, I think it was, it was Josh pick that tweeted that particular one, just based on the styling and all that. Um, <laughs> the, the, the transfer portal has been good to Florida state. I mean, overall your hit rate on it is probably not as high as you had hoped, but you've had some big hits. I mean, Jay Sean Corbin is one of the best running backs at the ECC, in my opinion. You've got another year, two years, I think, of eligibility with him. So, I mean, you know, that's a pretty, pretty good one on its own. Um, I don't know where you'd be in terms of numbers on, on quarterbacks if, if, uh, if, if Milton hadn't come. Not that he's been a star or anything like that, but at the same time, if you were sitting here today with just 
just Jordan and, Ch- and uh, Tate Rodemaker, <laughs> I'd be very concerned, um, especially with Jordan having consistent injury issues. So transfer portal is not perfect. Hit rate isn't as good as we thought or had hoped, uh, but it's still very valuable. And, you know, I mean, teams have proven it can get you a kid like Dylan Gibbons, who's a, con- you know, a pretty consistent and solid starter for Florida State. And it can get you kids like, you know, Jalen Hurts, who is a, it was a Jalen Hurts or Crowder Murray who were superstars and took kids, took the their teams to the playoff. But it's also going to give you a, um, a, a bust or two here or there. Um, uh, Brandon Moore, the kid who transferred from UCF uh, to Florida State, he ended up leaving before they ever played a football game. So it's hit and miss, just like recruiting can be. So, you know, you, you just have to take it and, and, you know, just like recruiting, your evaluations have to be good. <laughs> you can't yeah. go in there without a plan. And you can't just, you know, wing it. And, and on Corbin, uh, two years. He's a redshirt sophomore. So two more to go. Uh, looking ahead to this weekend, the transfer portal was probably where you expected to see the Miami quarterback from, uh, Derek King. But obviously he was out for the season now. And somehow that has managed to turn Miami's season around. Enter Tyler Van Dyke, who's been – Nothing short of spectacular, uh, 18, almost 1,900 yards, 15 touchdowns to four picks. They've reeled off three in a row, um, although their last five games, just to roll through them, two-point loss to Virginia, three-point loss to North Carolina, one-point win over NC State, four-point win over Pitt, three-point win over Georgia Tech. They're all close. That seems to be the, the way it's going, and Manny Diaz, at this point, maybe saving his job. They're heading into Doe Campbell this weekend. Early thoughts on Miami, uh, John Van Dyke clearly has got him rolling and, and his running back Knighton super explosive. They can put up points at this point. Yeah, I wasn't uh, that impressed with Van Dyke at the beginning, but he seemed to have improved every single week. Um, and he's he's playing at a pretty pretty good level right now. Uh, I expect him to destroy Florida State's linebackers in coverage. Not really looking forward to to that matchup. Uh, Miami still has some some receivers with talent. I know that transfer, Bakari Rambo was has been pretty good for him. Um, but I'm not really expecting Florida State to to win this one. If I'm going to be honest, just because of Van Dyke's development, I think Miami got a little bit lucky. Uh, you know, falling into that situation, it's all not that different than, in my opinion, than the whole Trask um, Felipe Franks thing last season. Yeah. So it's kind of unfortunate. Uh, the Florida State's rivals keep keep doing this, obviously with the notable exception of, of Clemson. Uh, but, you know, they still kind of count because <laughs> they went from Deshaun to, to Trevor Lawrence, which was ridiculous on its own. But um, I don't know. I, uh, you know, if it was like three or four weeks ago, I would have said, oh, yeah, Florida State can definitely win this game. And you know what? They still can. I really do. I think that they still can. But I think it's a lot less likely than it was before Van Dyke started um, – Start doing this. And, and yeah, you're like you said, it was a good point. I hadn't realized how close our last three wins really were. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I want to. It's, it's, it's all, all, all the wins are punching above their weight class. I mean, you know, you're looking mm-hmm. at a ranked pit team that they felt like they probably shouldn't have beaten, and, and NC State, you but know, they they, when they seem down, they, they turned around. Right. They seem to play up or down to their opponent, maybe. Um, I, I thought for sure Diaz was done. He was about to get fired, and that team was going to fold. And then here comes Van Dyke. He's, he's, you know, like I said, gotten better a little bit every single week. And now you run off those two or three straight wins. It looks a lot different. Um, 
So I'm kind of disappointed by that development, but it is what it is. Uh, kudos to that kid um, for obviously, obviously he's working his tail off to get better. And uh, I don't know, Juan, what about you? I mean, I, I had the same opinions of you, as you when, when he had started. Um, you know, we're obviously going to throw out the Central Connecticut State game. That's a nothing burger. Um, doesn't count. Yeah, I mean, it really doesn't. I mean, he, it was 69-0. I mean, that's a really nice score and all, but I mean, it's just not a real approximation for what's going to happen in a real football game. But the first two games that they played with him playing quarterback were were against Virginia and UNC, and he really wasn't very good. I mean, the first game was was seven yards an attempt, uh, 52% completion rating, and the second one was 5.9, and he threw three picks and 44% com- completion. Uh North, North Carolina's defense wasn't very – they're not very good. No, they lost Florida State. Um, <laughs> so they – but they uh, – unfortunately, <laughs> like like John, like John said, unfortunately, they've really turned it around. He's really – unfortunately, he's been excellent. Um, 64% of better completion rate the last three games. Uh, his first two games, he threw three picks. He's thrown one since with, with 10 touchdowns, and that's against NC State and Pittsburgh, who were both ranked at the time of their games – and a close win over Georgia tech. Who's been the bogey team uh, for them and Virginia have been bogey teams for, for Miami for a few years now. So, and his, and his yards per attempt have gone up each time, 9.8, 10.1, 11.4. I mean, unfortunately running into a kid who's hot at the wrong time for Florida state. And I think we sort of saw a little bit of that with the Clemson game and a little bit of that with NC state. I mean, those, those were, or, you know, NC State, not, not as much NC State, but Clemson obviously had been looking quite poor uh, for, for, for a stretch there after starting out, you know, decent with a close, close loss to Georgia and all that. But Clemson's sort of starting to look better. But DJ Ukulele is starting to look like he can play guitar. And, you know, NC State obviously has been pretty solid. Um, and, and, you know, unfortunately, we're going to be – it looks like we're going to be seeing a Florida State team that's going to catch a Miami team that's playing some of its better football of the year. And that sucks. <laughs> yeah. um, and for, for their four-star, you know, second-year freshman to come out and be as solid as he has and improve throughout the season as he has, that's terrible luck, man. I mean, you, you know, I mean – we're going to have to see him. Fortunately, he's not, you know, a, a running quarterback, which makes things a little bit easier on the defense. But that was a team that you expected to be a very good team running the ball with Deer King, um, you know, who's obviously a fantastic scrambler and and the run game that they were supposed to have. It's a completely different team from what you were expecting in August. So I don't think it's a very good matchup. Um, you know, aside from the fact that it's not a running quarterback, you know, you don't get the, the, the benefit of strength on strength, you know, Florida state's strength is the run defense. And, you know, it's, if, 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 if this kid's going to be able to throw 400 yards again, they may not, you know, be too worried about that is the unfortunate part. I mean, they're, they're going to probably put up at least 400 yards against Florida or Florida state rather. So you know, the, the, the question is, is if, if Jordan Travis is healthy enough for, for us to keep pace with Miami, which, you know, hopefully if he's not hundred percent healthy, he can have his flu game and go full Michael Jordan and dunk on them kids. But, you know, hope, <laughs> we'll have to see. Yeah. I think they Look, were, I saw, I think they were like one and two in one score games and now they're four and two in one score games. And yeah. so 
the they kind of turned their whole season around just like how this kid it's all on the back of Van Dyke really in my opinion it is yeah and and I I, I don't know if Knighton the running back was suspended or or if he was hurt I, I know he came back around that same time that he took over I think he was actually imprisoned after the University of Miami tweeted a video of him with a soundtrack of actual roosters just crowing. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have seen that online, but it's literally. Oh, I saw it. The University of Miami put out a highlight tape. Of, it was like a 20 second highlight tape of, of Jalen Rooster Knighton, who could have come to Florida State at one point. Um, and they they showed the highlight tape, and it was literally just like they took you know uh, a chicken house noise thing, like it, they were playing up in <laughs> an old Adam Adam Coach Coach AB's house up there. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, but yeah i mean ever since knighton's come back that he's opened up something he's given them that explosive option i think him and van dyke have connected on like big touchdown passes a couple games now two out of three you don't know i play college daily fantasy sports that would be why i know all these things um and i think miami kind of got written off early in the year too for their out of conference schedule but looking back at it i mean alabama obviously is no slouch but they've i don't know maybe they are now we'll find out uh, App State and then Michigan State as a, as an opening three is pretty rough. I'd uh, like to pose I a question to the two of you. Um, Van Dyke is Miami's best quarterback since. Oh boy, you asked it to the guy who bet on Incosi Perry to win the Heisman. So, <laughs> Are you serious? That is one of the. Best. You right, well, so that was the year. You. That was the year they opened against LSU, and the rest of their schedule was just so easy. And I was like, if they make the ACC title game, maybe. I was in Vegas, you know. I just threw twenty on it and hoped they would land. It wouldn't be a big money, and then the LSU rolled. LSU rolled them, and then the rest of their season was a disaster. So yeah, that was that was a waste of money. Yeah, I think you've got a gambling problem, sir. Please call one eight eight. You can I, catch I, out my against the spread picks coming out on Friday. I've, two and eight last week as I progressively get worse and worse. You're getting beat by the commenters week after week, right? Week after week. Yeah. Well, it's not, I mean, it's 10 of them picking games, but before we get too far, go ahead. Juan. Uh, John, what, what was the, what was the, the exact prompt? So I can say it correctly. Best quarterback <laughs> since. Okay. Um, uh, Stephen Morris, Corey Harris, the, 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 the heralded group of quarterbacks they've really had for a while. Brad, Brad, I mean, there's Brad Kaya, but I don't even remember. It's a wasteland before him. Robert. So Marr. if you think that Van Dyke might be better than Kaya, how far back are we going? Well, it's it's a, it's a pretty low sample size at this point, so it's hard to really you know get to right. that three good but this, games. This is this is why I think it's an interesting question because it's not just like now. I'm I'm also I kind of want your guys' opinions on whether or not this kid could is still continue to improve if he still has room for it. I mean, obviously, you know, every player has got a ceiling at some point. Um, and I don't, I don't think he has like, I guess the strongest arm, but uh, that's why I think this, this question is interesting. It's not just where he is now, uh, but where you think he might end up. The so Miami's saying, best quarterback. You're saying Dorsey is what you're saying. I, yeah, no, I'm not necessarily not saying that. Uh, I just think that if, if this <laughs> kid, not, if this kid's really – no, I'm just saying if this kid's really the real deal for him, which which it seems like they may have lucked into something here, as long as he stays healthy. Uh, real you know, deal, he real arm. That sounds a lot like a certain Ken Dorsey. <laughs> he he might he might almost single handedly save Manny Diaz's job. We'll have to see these last three games, but uh, I'm not I'm not ruling it out. This is just such a weird Miami team. I mean, 
their last five games have been one score games. I, I mean, yeah. actually, if you look at it, the, they have two big losses. They lost to Alabama and Michigan State, and you really can't, you know, fault them for either losing either of those games. Those are number two and number three. Yeah, exactly. You have fair, two very good teams, and the rest of their schedule is so weird because you you have the the huge blowout win against Central Connecticut State, but then the rest of their schedule they are in one score games. They've, it's not in, that different everyone. than Clemson. It's just weird to see. I mean, I haven't seen a Miami team that's been, you know, this this tight in terms of, you know, being close to teams in a while because they seem to be a lot more volatile typically in recent years at least. So I don't know what to expect. I mean, is, are, are, is Van Dyke's pr- production, you know, related to a team that just happens to be getting up at the right times and, you know, not getting up at the wrong times? It's just it's kind of a weird team. I don't know what to expect yeah. from that. From right. from getting fired to a, a chance at Charlotte, I mean. Well, the other the other two is like Miami. Last several years, have always they kind of collapsed in the second half of the season, and they've kind of sort of been doing the opposite last last couple of weeks. But I I don't know, man. I just uh, mm, Van Dyke is just I don't know. It's just way I don't I don't I keep, I keep waiting for the other shooter drop. I guess is what I'm saying. But it, yeah. he seems to keep getting better every single week. So there's. I feel like something's got to give at some point, you know, either he proves to be this quarterback they've been looking for, for, you know, five, 10, 15 years, or uh, the other shoe does drop. And the, uh, and you know, the Miami that we've come to know and love uh, shows back out again. Before we end up at the uh, Dan Mullen is a clown volume two, Juan, I do want to pass it to you real quick. Um, I did check just so I can let you just as a setup here. I went to the ACC's website to check the conference standings, and for some reason it shows Miami and Georgia Tech as both having ties. It has the conference records wrong. It has the overall records wrong on the ACC's official website. Um, But can we also talk about the conference's undefeated team going down in a non-conference game against a conference opponent? What are we doing? There's nothing dumber than the ACC – I mean, Wake Forest losing, you know, to, 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 to North Carolina isn't in and of itself a particularly shocking thing. The no, fact that it was an out-of-conference game is, frankly, you know, I think we're still not an explicit podcast, but I would use a lot of freaking curse words if I could about <laughs> it. I mean, it's so stupid. How is that not a conference game? How do, how do you end up scheduling – you know, you, to, and it's not like Wake Forest was bad or 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 UNC was bad prior to this. Um, I assume that was a casualty of COVID and not being able to schedule other 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 teams or whatever. So, why would you take two North Carolina schools, both of which are two of the better teams in their divisions? Because Wake has been good for a couple of years now. They haven't been obviously, you know, eight and before this, but UNC has had Sam Howell for two, you know, since before COVID. And, um, or, well, I guess not, I guess they had them, you know, around that same time, but you know, they had excitement around their program with Mac Brown coming in before COVID started. And then, so during COVID you saw them schedule this game as an out of conference game. Uh, and you see the top team in the ACC, as far as rankings and everything else go, go down. It's beautiful. Um, I mean, the NCAA is currently holding, a, or they will be holding in a couple of weeks, a uh, special con- constitutional convention. Hopefully, they outlaw the damn ACC from ever playing football again because it's so stupid. 
It's just <laughs> it's insane to me that, the, that the, you can put yourself in a position to ruin your conference's exposure for the entire season in an out of conference in conference game. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. I, I mean, if I was, I don't know, athletic director, whoever's in charge of making schedules, I would never, ever in a million years do that unless um, I'm absolutely forced to at knife point. I w- I, why don't you schedule Marshall or North Texas or Central Connecticut State? Anybody but another conference opponent, someone who knows you well, right? You play them all the time or at least once every five years, you know, but like you said, you know that Sam Howell's good. I None of it makes any it, I know last year with COVID, huh? The funniest part about it to me is years ago, you used to get like Florida State versus Duke or Florida State versus Wake. Instead of playing an away game in years it wasn't a home game in FSU's early ACC years, they'd play in Orlando or Jacksonville. I mean, the ACC used to let FSU buy out home game, home conference games for other teams. (laughs) So they've never really, you know, been all that concerned with the actual football success part of it in terms of, but but that this is just it's mind makes no sense yeah it makes no sense i I was honestly shocked at that i didn't even know that was the case until after the game was over and people are tweeting about it and i'm like why would you ever why did you schedule a home and home last year in north carolina when it was when it was you know conference only games i don't it blows my mind the the comparison for for the SEC to a different conference is you know they brought Missouri obviously if you know your geography pretty western state compared to the SEC and Texas A and M in and Missouri ends up in the east and the reason for that was because Auburn Alabama Georgia and Tennessee refused to lose their yearly rivalry games so every year Auburn plays Georgia and they play Alabama. And every year, Alabama plays to Auburn, and they play Tennessee. And so they basically just flatly told Birmingham, "We're not going to the East because we want to play these these games." And that's how Missouri ends up in the East. I don't know if this is a rivalry situation where they just said, "We want to play UNC and Wake is a must for college football every year." Maybe that's it. But I mean, the SEC just basically just said, "Well, that's too bad. You guys will just play each other every year. Then we'll just put Missouri in the East. Sucks for you guys." I, I mean, I love college football. I don't I don't love it that much where I need to see Wake in North Carolina every year. It, it just doesn't feel like that's the that's a rivalry you really have to have. Is that something that like fans are clamoring to see? I mean, not even not even just like college football fans, but like Wake and UNC fans. Are they really that like pumped about seeing each other play just because it's a 20 minute drive or whatever the heck it is? <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean, it's 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 a joke how much the, this conference has be, just decided <laughs> to bend over backwards to, to what are what are now mediocre basketball schools too, mind you. Right. Um. I mean, Florida State is better at basketball than both of those schools. Somehow worse at football currently than than Wake. Um. Probably a worse team than than UNC, but we don't see that happen on the field very often. So. Yeah, and from one clown show, I guess the uh, the ACC to another at in Gainesville, our good friend uh, Dan Mullen finds himself in uh, I'll use the terrible phrase of hot water. Yeah, Todd Grantham, defensive coordinator, out. Offensive line coach John, I'm going to butcher this last name. Havesi. Havesi. Nailed it. What he said. Uh, both fired out the door. Uh, Havesi has been with Mullen for, for decades now, um, for what I've been reading, 
it seems like the new weird trend to push out your 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 staff to save the day and, and I guess keep yourself in place there. I don't know if that's the move. And then on top of it, you had the confirmation from Mullen today that quarterback Anthony Richardson hurt his knee while dancing in the team hotel on a Friday night. That's just beautiful. All of all of uh, that is just gorgeous. I mean, I, I didn't even know what to start, what to add to it. It's just. It, you, uh, the, the, just to, to put the, the the cherry or the icing on the cherry on the cake or whatever, uh, 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 Anthony Richardson, who was out obviously with the, the knee injury from Footloose, he tweeted a gif of a dancing image today, and then he clar- he said for to clarify this is the dance, like he went out and showed everybody what the dance he heard himself doing was. What is now- going on in Gainesville? I think I think I don't think he got hurt dancing that because to me, I think he's making a joke of the fact that he got hurt dancing. I think if I got hurt dancing, I'm not out saying, ha ha, I got hurt dancing. I no, think that's was, a lot. Those were the rumors in Gainesville last weekend, like Andy Staples basically confirmed. Yeah, that, that was the scuttlebutt around town. And he lives in Gainesville and obviously is you know one of the most respected national college football mm-hmm. reporters. That was not a joke. I mean, the kid hurt himself dancing. And at this point, Mullen confirmed it. The kid said it. And, I, you know, I think that he, they're trying to make light of it. And, you know, I, actually, I really like the kid's attitude for saying, like, screw it. You know, it happened. It was a stupid thing. Like, you know, it's it's yeah. it, it doesn't it, it, it's if you weren't a losing football team that was doing a really poor job, no one would really care if anything. They'd probably laugh it off. Like, I mean, dumb college kids. Ha ha ha. But <laughs> In the context of, oh, you just had to fire your coaches uh, because they they got dumped. You're because they got dumped on by South Carolina. Oof, I mean, what a what an awful look for for, for Florida, and what a beautiful thing to see. I mean, Dan Mullen is like like, like we said earlier, we're gonna do uh, Dan Mullen is a clown show, Volume Two, Electric Boogaloo. Um, you know, he's out there typically dancing in his Jordans with his uh, pleated khakis half the time. And now he's got his quarterback out there dancing, probably in pleated khakis too. And they ended up losing him for the weekend and probably losing the game because of it and losing two of his most trusted staff members, guys that he did not want to get rid of. It's gorgeous. I love it. <laughs> um, I guess for me, we were talking about this in the Slack group earlier today. Uh, kind of comparing this loss, I think UF was a 30-point favorite, if I'm correct, against South Carolina. Um Comparing that to Florida State's loss to Jacksonville State, obviously losing to an evacuation to Jacksonville State, the FCS team is worse. However, um, like we were talking about, uh, UF is in year five. You're expected to compete for championships, kind of like what Juan was saying earlier. So it was a, it's a pretty bad loss. Um, it's the kind that sinks uh, coaching staffs. It sinks Mullins' tenure at Florida. I, 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 I said this last week. I thought that Mullins' uh, time at UF is untenable and it would come to an end soon. I think that we're only still accelerating, which is wild. Um, so, I, I mean, it's bad in Gainesville, which, I, you know, I'm not complaining. Um, but uh, <laughs> by any means, obviously. But I, uh, yeah, it's just it, they're still spiraling. Um, at some point, it's got to end. You got to pull a plug. I thought there was, I'll give him credit. I thought there was a great article by, I think it was Thomas Goldcamp, a Florida beat writer for, I think, Swamp 24 7. And he, he, he went all in on Mullen. He's absolutely right. I mean, at some point, the ball is in their uh, athletic director Strickland's court. Uh, when, when Mullen fires these guys 
or first when he kept Grantham for another year, now he's fired him. The spotlight moves to you. And like uh, Goldcamp argued, now the spotlight is moving from Mullen onto Strickland. At some point, he's got to make a call. And uh, yeah. And on top of that, I mean, your your decision to keep Grantham, who is a known quantity as being a very poor coach, mm-hmm. maybe not a very poor coach. He's a very solid coach who is known to be bad on third down. I mean, Georgia, he was a coach at Georgia. He was a coach at Louisville. Georgia fans called third called it third and Grantham because they gave up a lot of third downs. At Louisville, they had the same complaint. They're having the same complaint at Florida. Um, he's been at several different programs in, in the spaces before and after those years. And Dan Mullen decides to keep the guy an extra year after four years of pretty much failure. Um, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure for your head coaching tenure, which I really want them to extend Dan Mullen. So I'm unhappy with him that he's making himself worse every year. Um, no, but seriously, uh, Grantham being kept around for an additional year into what looks like it's going to be a final potentially lame duck year for Dan Mullen, because realistically, you don't fire a defensive coordinator and an offensive line coach if you're going to keep the head coach. You keep the head coach another year and you give him a chance. So here's the problem. You go out to find a defense coordinator. You think you'd be able to hire a Kirby Smart? This was five years ago? No, no way. You're not going to be able to get the hottest name out there. You're not going to get Jeremy Pruitt. You're not going to get anybody like that. You've got Paul Pasqualoni on your staff. Who are you going to bring in? Randy Shannon? I mean, it's just it really speaks to what John said last week and that, that, that Dan Mullen's tenure there is untenable. You're probably going to see 90% chance. I would say at this point that he, he, he gets year six. I mean, short of absolute catastrophe and a lost FSU, um, you know, included in like a, a winless November, they're probably going to keep Dan Mullen for next year, which is going to hurt them for recruiting for two years because it's going to be this bad class and relatively bad class compared to their expectations. And then a transition class the following year. I mean, Scott Strickland really should be following the words of, of, of his predecessor, Jeremy Foley, what must be done eventually should be, or what should be done eventually must be done immediately. They should have fired Dan Mullen after that game or, or not gone with the steps of firing Todd Grantham and John Hevesy, but evaluated for another week or two and said, okay, look, if we don't feel that we're going to be moving in the right direction with Dan Mullen in the coming weeks, it's time to end that tenure. And fortunately for, for Florida state and fortunately for Mike Norvell, I mean, I think that the poor recruiting that they already had is going to be completely exacerbated by, by these issues which is going to give Florida State and obviously other Southern teams, including Miami, Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, et cetera, a chance to jump in and, and start poaching. I mean, you know, you've got a when you got a lame duck head coach in college football, you're dead. You're dead. Yeah, well, I think the other thing for me too is it's not just that he was loyal to poor assistants. I've seen dozens and dozens of coaches make that mistake over both college and the NFL levels. That doesn't make you any different than a lot of other guys. I think it's the hubris for me that from Mullen, that's really kind of solidified how, how much fun this has been, you know, about his questions about recruiting and, and that, or I didn't know the band was there. It's just, he seems clueless and, uh, or he just doesn't care. I, I don't know which, well, which obstinate. is that's the other problem. Oh, that I mean, perfect word. Yeah. Obstinate. I, it's just, um, it's kind of made a little bit extra delicious uh, obstinate sprinkles on this whole kind of Sunday spiral that that's happening here. So uh, 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, I made my, my feelings known. I think he's a great play call. I really do. I think I think he's excellent at, at maximizing the talent of his players. He's just not getting the best players that he should be getting um, and competing for championships uh, like he should be or the expectation is. But, uh, yeah, I think the writing's on the wall. So I'm going to throw this one out there. The Jags did get a win, 9-6 against the Bills, and obviously a huge upset. No. <laughs> You don't think they want to flip? No. Flip Urban and flip for, for, for Mullen? I mean, they shoot. should. Both programs would be, you know, immeasurably better off, I think, if they did. Thankfully, neither is smart enough to do that. No, because that, well, that was the other thing I was talking to um, someone on Twitter today about was it looks like, I mean, everything Dan Mullen's doing, it tells you he wants out. He's trying yeah. to get fired at Florida, except the way that he's done it, he's bombing any chance at any job that he might've wanted. Like he flirted with the NFL last year, who would hire him now at this point after how he's handled the last, you know, five or six weeks. Uh, so for a guy who's trying to get fired, this self-sabotage has, has been pretty spectacular. It's almost, he flew too close to the sun. I mean, he, I think he really thought he was out last off season and, you know, he lands he puts himself in this position you know where where it seems like it's and I'll, I'll pose this question to you guys they lose any of these last three games and he's out Sanford Missouri Florida State I don't think so I mean I think the if if you think if the move saves out, him if he was out he would have been out I mean I, I, short of absolute disaster over these final three games I don't see them firing him I mean obviously it, they're not going to be hiring a defensive coordinator and an offensive line coach mid-season, but they basically set it up for the boosters have their scapegoat for this this offseason. The you know the 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 hounds are off the trail for a little bit, so he's they they they've bought they've bought enough time you know again barring absolute disaster in the final three games for them. Yeah, I mean you lose to Samford you're done, but I don't, yeah, I, don't it's over, yeah. I, yeah. I haven't seen anything that, that says that the players still aren't playing hard for him. Uh, who knows how they come out with all this, you know, the firings and all this other stuff. I don't know how they come out this weekend, but I, I really don't seem pretty hard for him. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. <laughs> Exceptionally hard. <laughs> yeah. No, but really, yeah. I, I think, I think the players are playing for him still. So, you know, much like you, know, there's questions about that with Mike Norvell, right? You know, are the players still playing for him? Yeah, absolutely. They are. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, if it were me, Mullen's got to go at the end of the year after the South Carolina game, but I'm not Strickland. So. No, I wish I was, though. I'd love to fire him and be paid, you know, half a million dollars a year to do so. <laughs> Well, maybe Florida State's the team that finally puts them away. That, that one's still a few weeks away. Uh, obviously, this one. weekend, Florida State-Miami. That one's 3.30 on ESPN. Miami, I didn't say this earlier, two-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, of course, we'll have all the coverage for you coming up next week right here on the podcast. Oh, we're not going to wrap it yet. Um, we're going to get a prediction. Oh. This. All right. Oh, Brian. we didn't talk about it. Brian, what's your prediction for the game? Oh, I think Miami wins. You think they cover? Two and a half. Congratulations, Florida State. Yes, I do think Miami wins. So Florida State's going to – I think they win and cover. I think they probably do it handily because um, I just don't think if Jordan Travis practices, I don't know. 
I think we're looking at what, what the Cowboys look like with Dak, where I think you're trying to run in a quarterback who might not have the gas or legs or rhythm or timing if he's not able to practice for two weeks. I think that's fair, John. Mm, I think I'm going Miami by 10, I think, is where my head's at right now. Yeah. I think that's fair. Well, I'm, I'm fading Brian just because – Yeah, because of my picks. disaster. <laughs> Uh, so instead of actually going, uh, going Florida state plus two and a half, I would probably, I'm, I'm going to see what the, what the juice is on, um, on, on Florida state money line. Uh, for, for those who, for those who enjoy playing those sort of games and live in the state of Florida, the Florida state, well, (laughs) the other Seminoles in Florida, not Florida state Seminoles, Seminole tribe. Uh, they launched their their sportsbook app. Um, I'm not trying to, to promote it or anything like that, but I saw something about it last week and I downloaded it and I used it and it's a, it's a good little app and you know it's legal, which is nice. And you're also at the end of the day, you're supporting the Seminole Tribe, um, so not not too bad. I didn't. I did not in the middle of this podcast give a fist pump because Cole Komet cashed on his over two and a half receptions in the Monday Night Football game. I need him to score like 30 points, so I'm screwed. Oh, and in regular fantasy. Well, there you go. Well, we can all we can all go ahead and fade Brian this Saturday. There you go. Now that's the way to wrap. That's a wrap. That's it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.